0: Welcome to the Movies Past and Present podcast. This is episode four of the podcast, and it's November 29th, 2018. I'm your host, Stanford Clark, and I'm podcasting from the Crossroads of the West in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. Just like my blog, moviespastandpresent.com, I'll be providing reviews and commentary about current and classic cinema. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get started. Well, it's the weekend after Thanksgiving, and the new film selections in theaters this upcoming weekend are actually pretty slim. We've got two horror films and an anime feature that I want to talk to you about. First up is a film that's in limited release. It's Anna and the Apocalypse. It's a horror comedy from Orion Pictures. It's written by... uh, Two guys from Scotland and directed by a guy from Scotland. So the the writers are Alan McDonald and Ryan McHenry. And it's directed by John McPhail. And the synopsis is basically three words. Music, Christmas, zombies. So they're saying that watch the trailer and see why critics are calling it Shaun of the Dead meets La La Land. And it really does look like that. Uh, It looks super violent. Lots of zombie deaths going on, uh, lots of blood and gore, and again, looks like it's it's a you know, horror comedy or a pretty dark comedy. It is rated R by the Motion Picture Association of America for zombie, violence, gore, language, and some sexual material. So that's Anna and the Apocalypse, limited release this weekend, and then probably playing uh, in more theaters as the month goes on. Next up is a horror-horror movie called The Possession of Hannah Grace. It's uh, from Screen Gems. It's written by Brian Sieve and directed by a Dutch director named Diedrich Van Rugen. Uh, the synopsis of this film, uh, I think that this trailer played in the theater, uh, and I probably closed my eyes because it looks really... <laughs> just one of those horrible horror movies that I hate. Uh, uh, so, what it, here's the synopsis. A shocking exorcism spirals out of control, claiming the life of a young woman. Months later, Megan Reed, who's played by actress Shay Mitchell, is working the graveyard shift in the morgue when she takes delivery of a disfigured cadaver. Locked alone inside the basement corridors, Megan begins to experience horrifying visions and starts to suspect that the body may be possessed by a ruthless demonic force. You know, I'm already creeped out and I'm, all, <laughs> I'm only reading the synopsis. So, uh, the possession of Hannah Grace is rated R by the Motion Picture Association of America for gruesome images and terror throughout. So, happy holidays. Here's the possession of Hannah Grace. Next up is an anime film that is uh, under limited distribution through Fathom Events. We'll get into that in a minute. but This is uh, Mirai, which uh, you might have seen uh, something uh, either previewed for or seen it on social media. This is a film from director Mamoru Hosada. Uh, He is a, a Japanese... Director, he brought us uh, *Summer Wars*, *Wolf Children*, and *The Girl Who Leapt Through Time*. I don't know if you've seen any of those anime films, but uh, and also this is from uh, the Japanese animation studio uh, Studio Chizu, and it is an original story, which uh, it looks like it's a family drama. Uh, it's about a four-year-old boy when he meets his new baby sister his world gets turned upside down as you know what happened what has as we know it happens to any any uh, young child who welcomes in a new sibling into the family and uh mirai it's which means future uh returns to the family somehow as an adult or older uh uh, he encounters he encounters his sister. So the little brother, who's you know having trouble with his sister, encounters encounters her as a teenager. And together they go on a journey through time and space, uncovering their family's incredible story. But the big question is, why did Mirai come uh, come from the future? So something's going on with this family, and and Mirai looks like she's she's coming to to help possibly rescue it or again who knows but it looks it looks cool you know a- anime i, I got to tell you i saw summer wars from the same director and that was such an inventive film it had a lot of very traditional anime components and then there was some stuff that they did with the animation that really Kind of blew my mind. I don't mean to use that term loosely, but this has the potential. I think too. It looks like there's going to be some really cool stuff in in Mirai. It's rated PG by the Motion Picture Association of America for thematic elements, including some scary images. And uh, it is a, as I mentioned, the first a fathom event. So it's only playing over four days. And you know very limited times I think on some of these days is only playing uh, one time so check fathomevents.com for Mirai but it's scheduled to screen on November 29th and that's gonna be both a dubbed and subtitled version uh, November 30th which is subtitled only De- December 5th subtitled only and then December 8th which is dubbed only so uh, FathomEvents.com will have a listing of all the theaters where Mirai is playing, and, and will give you the latest the latest info. So uh, there are three are three new releases this week: uh, Anna and the Apocalypse, The Possession of Hannah Grace, and Mirai. For reviews this week, I was able to see Creed 2. Saw it over the holiday weekend, and I'd like to give some commentary about it. If you haven't already seen it, beware this. I'm going to give some big spoilers or just talk about some big components of the plot. So if you want to be surprised, please go ahead and fast forward <laughs> to the next section. And uh, we'll uh, just talk about this really interesting sports drama. So, as you know, Creed 2 is uh, a sequel. It's a continuation of of the story set up in 2015's Creed. Both Creed and Creed 2 are a continuation of the Rocky series of films that was started with the original Rocky in 1976. And Rocky, you know there have been there have been quite a few films actually with Creed two now there there are eight Rocky films. So just as a quick review, the original Rocky came out in 1976 and it was fantastic. I thought, and I think you know much of the, the country or and the world I think really embraced it too. It won a lot of you know, won Academy Awards, put Sylvester Stallone on the map, and was really uh, really it was just a terrific sports movie uh, you know, the fantastic music, the memorable lines and, and, uh, the memorable scene. I mean, who can forget Rocky climbing up the steps at the Philadelphia Museum of Art, you know, and, uh, with all gonna fly now music playing and just, you know, nothing's better. It's terrific. Just, 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 a, you know, a great film. Rocky two came out in 1979. Uh, then there was Rocky Three in 1982. Rocky Three had Mr. T in it. So I pity the fool that didn't get to watch that sequel. <laughs> right? Then Rocky IV came out in 1985. And uh, I really think Creed II is actually Rocky IV.2, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in, in a bit. Then we had a uh, uh, five-year break. Rocky V came out in 1990. Then there was Rocky Balboa, which was 16 years later. Uh, that was the sixth film. So rather than call it Rocky Six, you know, they called it Rocky Rocky Balboa. And this one, where we we meet uh, Robert Balboa, who is Rocky's Rocky and Adrian's son, and played by Milo Ventimiglia, who does make an appearance in, in, in Creed Two. We'll, we'll we'll get to that as well. And then we had a 9-year break and then Creed came out in 2015. And I got to tell you by the time we hit Rocky 5 and Rocky Balboa, I really felt like the series was tired and I just thought what's next, you know? And I mean people would joke like, you know, Rocky in outer space. And then Rocky Balboa, I thought it was going to be a way that he was going to hand off, you know, hand off the series perhaps to another character but he ends up doing this big street fight with this boxer that he's training. <laughs> and it's still... So it's still all about Sylvester Stallone and still all about Rocky. So, I don't know. I thought that the, the, the path of these Rocky films was a bit rocky uh, by the time we arrived at uh, 2015 and, and when, when Creed was released. Now, Creed... I just thought it was terrific. I went in with very little effect, no expectations. I had heard it was that it was a it was a cool movie. And and I concurred. It just it's I just felt it was like a Rocky reinvented. It uh you know, Michael B Jordan was so comp- compelling in the role. Tessa Thompson as as his girlfriend Bianca it was so cool. They had such good chemistry. And then just this incredible kind of out of nowhere, subtle, great performance from Sylvester Stallone. And I just couldn't believe it. You know, I couldn't believe that he'd take it in a way kind of as a supporting role. But it was such a key role. And 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 uh, he's not the one doing, doing the fighting either. You know, he really kind of passed the baton. And... Just thought the whole thing was brilliant, so that's kudos to director Ryan Coogler for who wrote and directed Creed. So now we've got Creed Two, and I thought Creed Two was was a very good film, but again, it's I felt it was more Rocky four point two than it was Creed Two. Don't necessarily mean that as you know uh, as a slam. But I just, just felt like it just felt more like a, a Rocky movie to me than a continuation of something really different that was, that was Creed. Now It needs to be mentioned that Ryan Coogler did not direct Creed 2, or write, he didn't write it either. He, he uh, was one of the producers, but it was directed by Stephen Cappell Jr. and written by Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone is back in a really great, really great performance as Rocky. Again, it's just subtle and so good. Uh, It's it's kind of hard to believe. I just kind of had to keep saying to myself, well, that looks like Sylvester Stallone, but he's just not being a film hog. You know, and he, and Sylvester Stallone even wrote this screenplay for Creed two, and, and still very much in a supporting role but i mean in a very critical role but but wow just i just thought he was he was so good so what makes this rocky 4.2 is a lot of just because of the plot so so uh ivan drago is back this is the character played by dolph lundgren now dolph lundgren uh i mean or i should say ivan drago is the character that in rocky 4 Killed Apollo Creed uh, in a, in a boxing exhibition match, and then that fuels Sylvester Stallone to uh, train like crazy, and then be able to go defeat him. He doesn't kill him, but he's able to defeat him in the boxing ring, yeah, and you know bring back honor to the USA, and and uh, uh, and of course to revenge, revenge the death of 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 his friend and opponent but friend Apollo Creed so this film finds Ivan Drago training his son Victor Drago to uh, be a boxer and to take out uh, Adonis Creed also making a return is Brigitte Nielsen who uh you know, I think she and Sylvester Stallone were were an item back in the '80s when uh, when Rocky IV was made, and I think that's why she she got put in the film. But she she agreed to come back when 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 she came on the screen. I guffawed, and I think you know I was just annoyed the people in the movie theater I was in. But I don't know. I always just found her so humorous because she's such a horrible actress. I mean, she's a presence. She still's got that platinum, you know, blonde hair and that kind of look of death. But um, oh, it's funny. But so she plays. You know, she's the former wife of, of Ivan Drago, and and the mother to Victor. But she she walked out on them, uh, as as we as we learn in the as we learn in the film and. She, she's coming back cause she wants, you know, she wants in on this revenge, but she's with another man and she, you know, she's not going to get back together with Ivan. Um, uh, but, uh, anyway, Rajit. <laughs> also, uh, Felicia Rashad, who was in Creed, uh, she's the widow of, uh, of, Apollo Creed and, and, and the woman who really takes in Adonis, who's Apollo's illegitimate son, but, uh. She she's back into and she's so good. I mean, she's such a good actress. This is a good role for her, and I just think that the the way that they've written it is 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 realistic. And she's, you know, she, she's a she's just a, a good person and and a stabilizing force in in the life of Adonis and and Bianca, uh, and again, just 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 a good person. So, uh, a couple of things that I thought were really, were really g- great. And again, just, I, and again, I credit Sylvester Stallone for, for, for this, for, for the screenplay. Uh, one of them is, the, is, is the training. There's a, of course, you have to do the big training montage when, when, uh, Adonis Creed and Victor Drago are training now to, to have it's it's actually a rematch that's you can you know see that in the film <laughs> I won't spoil that too much but uh they are they're, they're training and uh Rocky takes Adonis out into the desert uh from the credits looks it said New Mexico so it you know somewhere out in the Mexico out in New Mexico it looked to me like they were in the Mojave desert in California. But anyway, regardless, they're in the middle of the desert somewhere doing this, doing some pretty serious training to learn how to deal with, with this type of boxing that Victor Drago is, is, is dishing out courtesy of, 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 from the training of, from his father. And, and then, and then, you know, we see Victor Drago's training. So, so one of the things when, when the, when the, when both boxers are they're out running and you know they're getting their cardio in and for Victor's training Victor is running and Ivan is in the in a car behind him put pushing him on basically just kind of criticizing him and and you know almost like threatening to run him over if he's if he doesn't If he doesn't uh, keep the pace and do do what his dad tells him. Then you get that contrasted with with Rocky and Rocky who's driving this really cool uh, Ford Mustang by the way it looks to me like it's it's either maybe a 65 or possibly a 67 anyway it's really it's really a cool car but uh, that's beside the point. Rocky is driving in front of Adonis, and so Adonis is following him, and and uh, you know he's trying to set the pace, but that's just just that little subtle thing. You could just see the differences in what what these men are trying to do with 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 their with their training, and you know when Adonis falls down from exhaustion, Rocky's not like pulling back there and like wanting to run him over. Uh, but he's just saying to himself, you know, get up, get up. And and uh I, I I thought that was really cool. Then we get to ringside in this final fight. And sure it's nationalistic, I mean, but it's not so much USA versus Russia as it is Adonis versus Victor Victor. And I thought that part worked well. Uh, for this, you know, for this sequel, but also interesting is at ringside. On on Adonis's side, we've got his mother and Bianca, and then on ringside over for Victor, we've got Brigitte. Nielsen is there with her with her current beau, uh, and partway through the match, when it really looks like Victor is gonna lose. Uh, Brigitte walks out on him again. She and she and her, and her man, and uh, you know it's it's actually kind of sad uh, because you you just know that again this is just the kind of woman she is that she she probably would would have somewhat stuck with him if if he were winning, but because he's losing, she's. She's out of their lives again, uh, but Felicia—I mean, so you know, uh, yeah. Well, Felicia Rashad and Tessa Thompson, their characters—they—they—they—they're there. They stay through the entire, through the entire thing. Uh, and when finally, uh, again, spoiler alert: when finally Adonis wins, there's just like this huge, almost sense of humility and relief rather than uh this big nationalistic thing and then also though they pl- you know they're playing the rocky music that you're you know gonna fly now when those horns get going i mean it's it's emotional you know i i i, mean, I, I know i i got i got emotional and probably part of it is just because of, of of the sentimental uh Aspect of it, how much I like, particularly the original Rocky film, but uh, also I think it just sh- shows just what a compelling story is, is 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 being told. So, as I mentioned, Milo Ventimiglia is back in it again as 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 Sylvester Stallone or as Rocky's estranged son. Uh, that comes together in a nice way you know, you can tell that, uh, that, uh, Adonis and Bianca and their, and their new baby, they're going to, they've got challenges, but they're going to face them together. And then in a really cool final scene, uh, you see Victor out running and rather than having, having, uh, Dolph Lundgren slash, slash Ivan Drago in the car behind him, you know, ready to run him over if he doesn't keep the pace. He actually is running by his side, and again, kudos to Sylvester Stallone or the the, the team for putting in a really cool little coda about these characters that uh, maybe that they're you know their life's rather going to be fe- rather than being fueled by revenge, and by anger from from uh, Brigitte walking out on him, that they're going to uh, be a father and son and and work towards better things. So, maybe the, the movie was a bit too melodramatic for my taste, but overall I found it very compelling, and I thought I really liked Creed 2. So, I think you should, if you like Rocky movies, go see Rocky 4.2 aka Creed 2 and 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 go have a have a a good time at the movies. All right, it's Classic Cinema Corner time. Got a couple things to talk about. First up, I was looking at the schedule for Turner Classic Movies, this weekend as I was wanting to do. And I got to tell you, this Sunday, December 2nd, it's just going to be a particularly stellar day on TCM. And lots, TCM has terrific programmers, and they have a lot of really cool theme days and different things. But I just thought that the, the, the variety and the selection on December 2nd was really indicative of the quality of films you get on TCM, as well as just how fun it'll be to check some of these out, which I'm I'm hoping to do uh, this weekend. So here on Sunday, December 2nd, we've got A Christmas Carol. It's the 1938 version with Reginald Owen as Ebenezer Scrooge. That's at 8.30 a.m. And these are all Eastern Time listed, so uh, please check TCM.com uh for the for the schedule in your in your area but uh so first yeah christmas carol then adam's rib from nineteen forty nine which stars Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy uh they are uh lawyers and they're also married to each other and then and, and they end up being dueling lawyers over a particular case. Uh it's that's such a great film. Kind of like a, a battle of the sexes, but but so so intelligent and just terrific in every way. That's at 11:45 a.m. Then at 1:45 p.m. we've got the catered affair, which is a 1956 uh, drama. It stars Betty Davis and Ernest Borgnine and Debbie Reynolds, and it's about parent these parents played by Betty Davis and Ernest Borgnine who who are very poor but want to provide a nice wedding for their daughter. Debbie Reynolds, and it's it's just a terrific family drama. Highly recommended if you've never seen it. Then at 3:30 uh, p.m. Eastern Time is the musical "Bells Are Ringing." It's from 1960. It's a musical comedy with the great Judy Holliday, Dean Martin's in it. It's got songs by Julie Stein. It's directed by Vincent Minnelli. It's really uh, it's such a charming film. It, in a lot of ways, feels like it's uh, just being, it's like a film version of the stage show. So, I think you miss some of the, uh, you know, ways that a motion picture can enhance that type of storytelling, but still, just to see Judy Holiday in this role, which she made famous on Broadway, uh, it's, it's, it's so much fun. Then, uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern is Charade. The 1963 thriller with Cary Grant and, and Audrey Hepburn, directed by Stanley Donnan. If you've never seen that film, put it on your list. It's so great. And uh, then uh, after that is The Shop Around the Corner, which from 1940 with Margaret Sullivan and Jimmy Stewart. So this this movie, if you've never seen it, has a bit of a history. You probably will recognize the story. But it was actually based on a 1937 play by, Hungarian, by the Hungarian playwright Miklos um, Laszlo. called. This play was called Parfumerie. But then it spawned a musical remake in 1949, which is in the good old summertime, starring Judy Garland and Van Johnson. Basically, it's the story about these two people that work in the same shop and they hate each other. But they've got a pen pal which are each other? I unbeknownst to them, and they really are falling in love with, with each other through their letter writing, and uh, it's, it's it's so charming. In 1963, there was a Broadway musical written called "She Loves Me," which is a really fun show. I think it's you know played in, in revivals and different things around the around the U.S. Uh, but it was also inspired by both that that play and then and then the uh, these films. And uh, in 1998, the romantic comedy *You've Got Mail* with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan—it's basically the same thing from *The Shop Around the Corner*. Uh, you know, two people who dislike each other, but they develop this anonymous romance via via email correspondence. That's just one of my that's just one of my uh, favorites. Um, but that so great day on TCM, Sunday, December second. Check it out, but then you know, really, most days on TCM are great. I hope that if you if you uh, get that cable channel, that you're enjoying it because it's 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 just really great. Uh, speaking of Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, there's going to be another uh, Fathom event going on. This is the 25th anniversary of Sleepless in Seattle. That film came out in 1993. Uh, That's the, you know, the romantic comedy drama starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, written and directed by uh, Nora Ephron, who also wrote and directed You've Got Mail, just five years later in 1998. But uh, as you might, as you may recall, in Sleepless in Seattle, uh, Tom Hanks plays this guy named Sam, who is devastated when after his wife dies and, uh, he's, he's just, he's just grieving. He's inconsolable. And, uh, Sam. So, uh, his little, their son, his son encourages, encourages him to, to, uh, um, pour out his heart on a, on a radio talk show, uh, about, about his, about his marriage and how much he misses her. And so then, every woman in the country that hears this, you know, basically falls in love with this guy. Uh, and uh, it turns out that that uh, one of them, this woman named Annie, played by Meg Ryan, uh, she becomes quite infatuated with this story, and uh, wants to wants to meet up with with this guy. So. It's just a, it's just a wonderful romantic comedy, one of the just one of the great modern romantic comedies as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it includes a special this, this screening again celebrates the 25th anniversary. Sadly, Nora Ephron passed away in 2012. but this event's going to ha- include a special introduction with producer Gary Foster, along with, with Meg Ryan. And it's going to be playing on December 2nd and December 5th. And so, again, go to fathomevents.com to get the latest information on seeing Sleepless in Seattle on the big screen. Well, that wraps up this week's podcast. Thank you again for tuning in. And hope you can go have some fun at the movies. And we'll catch you next week.